0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Anchor Point, episode number two. Just want to say thank you guys for uh, the overwhelming support. Seems like you guys really liked uh, the episode with Nelda St. Clair. It was very well received from you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for your feedback, by the way. Uh, I do understand that there were some audio issues. Uh, What happened was I prioritized her voice because, well, I'll be honest, this is a one-man show. I got one mic, I do pretty much everything, publishing, editing, everything. So, we'll work on it, we'll get some new microphones, or additional microphones. Today on the show we have Amanda Monti. She is the recent recipient of a grant with the Smoky Generation and Mystery Ranch for videography. She also has a pretty cool blog, and she was working on a couple other projects, one of which is going to be called... This is Us, and it's uh, not quite released yet, but it's coming. She's also a freelance writer for Teton Gravity Research. Uh, she's also a contributing writer for the Ski Journal and Flyfish Journal. Today on the show, we're going to talk about her life as a hotshot. It's pretty all-encompassing. It uh, covers a lot of topics, so I'm not going to list them here, and you guys are just going to have to listen to find out. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Anchor Point.
1: like how I sound on how I sound and like, you know, when I'm reading, especially, oh my God, I just go so fast and I get all nervous.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's different when the record button's actually rolling and you're seeing this thing scroll across the frigging screen. No doubt. All right, let's try that again. We had an excellent intro conversation, but I decided to get rid of that. So welcome to Anchor Point. I'm your host, Brandon. Today we have a special guest on, one of the more prominent women in fire, Amanda Monetai. Did I say that right? Montai. Montai. There we go. Monty. See, I suck. I, I'm not cut out to do this. Anyways, <laughs> she has a lot to tell us, some tips and tricks for you future women in fire and uh, some obstacles she overcome in her fire career. And uh, yeah, you got some good advice for some of the future women in fire, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, just from my own experiences of kind of wading into this world uh, four years ago, I guess now. Um, I started out because a couple of women that I knew were doing it and were posting rad photos on Instagram, and I was like, hold up, this looks rad. Um, I feel like I need to give this a shot. Um, So I signed up for some fire classes and uh, got into an engine in uh, northern Idaho my first summer and just kind of went from there. Worked on a hand here, and I've now been on a hotshot crew for two seasons, or this is my second season, I guess. Um, so I'm snooky Status on a hotshot crew, which is still just almost as humbling as it was to be a rookie on a hotshot crew. But, um, but yeah, so just kind of, I'm still pretty fairly new to this whole game. But, um, but yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, so. I can't say the crew, <laughs> <laughs> but what's hotshotting like for you? I mean, I was a hotshot for one season, so I just say, I don't count it. Um, what was <laughs> What's like the coolest like experiences that you've experienced out there doing hotshot stuff?
1: Yeah, well, mostly just doing hotshot stuff, um, just getting the best assignments and getting out there, you know, a hundred plus, 110, 120 days a year. And almost always having something to do, um, like getting thr- flown into fires, spiking out on ridgelines. We did a couple spike outs last year. Um, I think the best was in Utah on this ridgeline that we were just up there for like three nights, I think. And pretty far away from the insanity that is fire camp. Um, that's always fun. It's always preferable to be up there.
0: Um, and spike I spike the posted about that today was yeah, you? yeah that know. was me today the, uh, any day any day of the week i would choose a spy camp over a fire oh. camp <laughs> any day oh, no doubt and it's so, so fucking loud are, and of course it's just the shitty highlights when oh, i'm yeah. able to
1: go out and uh and spend the night on some remote ridgeline in the middle of nowhere and you can see the stars because you're usually like hundreds of miles from the nearest metro area oh there's no light pollution um, at
0: all it's awesome yeah man.
1: and just like you know sleeping in a sleeping bag on a sleeping pad no 10 just like i don't know i kind of love that um yeah
0: that, yeah that and you get to do like a bunch of hood rat shit with your friends it's it's <laughs> there's nothing like hot shot and it's fun man
1: yeah it's uh it's pretty great um yeah i mean just the assignments the, like i said the assignments that we get are unreal and um, and it's cool to like finally be doing what I expected to be doing my first season in fire. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you get into wildland fire and you're expecting to just be like working 16 hour days on fires every day of the summer. But sometimes you get on crews that aren't as busy or that aren't in as busy of a district. Um, so getting on hotshot crew really felt full circle to me. Like I'm finally doing the things that I had expected out of fire when I got into it. Um, so yeah, like, you know taking hotline and performing burnouts and um and just working yourself to the bone day in and day out and somehow I enjoy it. I have no idea why. I still actually have no freaking idea why I do why I enjoy this, but uh I keep coming back. And,
0: and inside and every and inside every back. firefighter there's like this like sadist they just love getting punished i don't know what it is but you like to play with fire and basically you're just a little kid that plays in the dirt and lights shit on fire
1: yeah and like the (laughs) amount of times that i oscillate between wanting to come back to fire and also never ever wanting to do it again like sometimes in the same day like i'll just like wake up and be like i never want to fight fire again like oh my god this sucks and then like two hours later We're doing something cool. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why would I ever want to quit doing this? Exactly. (laughs) rad.
0: It's definitely a love-hate relationship. I've been doing it for – eleven. this is my 11th season, yeah.
1: Wow, good for you. Yeah, Yeah, it is the deepest love-hate relationship I've ever experienced, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. And then when you're trying to explain (laughs) it to people, like people just don't get it. It's like, why the hell would you do this to yourself? You're sleeping in the dirt. You're eating MREs. No doubt. Yeah, you're away from your family. But
1: my answer to them is that I don't even know why I do this. <laughs> I
0: don't even know why I do it. I'm like,
1: I have no idea. I just, it just keeps drawing me back in. Like come March, I'm like so excited about doing it again. Even though in November I was like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You're just like, oh God, I need a break. Like when snap timber rolls around, you're just like, oh,
1: Yeah. make it really stop. Other, and then, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. So tell me about yourself. How did you get into fire?
1: Um, yeah, I was, I have, I have a journalism degree from a tiny, or not that tiny, but a school in Michigan, um, in northern Michigan. And I just had been writing for a few years after college and was kind of, I wasn't burnt out on it. I still love to write and I write quite a bit still. But um, I was definitely like just seeking something outside of like a newsroom career because, you know, you get on this path, especially in writing. Um, where you graduate and you're like, all right, time to get into a newsroom or time to get into a magazine or into a marketing job. And then you're like on the trajectory to like be in an office basically for the rest of your life. And that was seeming less and less, this is such a classic story, but that was seeming less and less like the reality that I wanted for myself. Um, so like I said before, when those, when the two women that I know who fought fire while I was in college, um they continued to fight fire and uh, like after we got out of college and I just was like really fascinated by their lifestyles and the fact that they were able to like work really hard for six months and then have six months to just fart around and like travel and um, pursue
0: go to Vietnam um, or Thailand
1: pursue higher degrees and pursue other uh, growth opportunities but like also work their butts off all summer long um, to be able to do it and I was like that seems that seems like something I could be down with so um, so yeah, I started taking those fire classes at Northern Michigan University, actually. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to like shout it out, but that's where I went to school. Oh, um, good. and they had a few little fire classes. I took like 130 and 190 and, uh, chainsaws and stuff like that, like all the basic stuff. So basically guard school, um, was taken care of, which was pretty nice. And it was a good way to get into a district with very little experience. I had. You know, I'd worked at like a greenhouse. That was like the only manual labor experience I had prior to applying for jobs. But um, but I think that having that training really pushed me or really put me like kind of in a little bit of a higher bracket in terms of getting hired somewhere with very little experience in the way of manual labor. So I am thankful though that I got hired on that first season because I wasn't sure. I was like, I am I don't know if anybody's gonna want to hire me. <laughs> Um, So yeah, I was stoked to get on, and then from there, it's just been kind of working up to eventually being a hotshot. I think when I started, I think I um, immediately knew that that hotshotting was like the the end goal, and that I just wanted to like get enough experience to not be super green when I showed up on a shot crew. So got two years of experience, and then moved on, and I'm yeah now I'm just kind of. Doing
0: the shot life. <laughs> it's just doing the shot life. That's doing cool the though. Shot life. Well there's nothing <laughs> yeah, like it, you know. Means. That is satisfying. It, it's fun, man. You get to go out and like do the coolest assignments. I I miss it. It is. Unfortunately yeah. I have a wife and a uh, five month old right now, so
1: it is so I cannot imagine a five month old for that have babies and wives <laughs> and kids and I'm like, I have mad respect for people that do this job and have families uh, to sort of balance things out with because I have a hard time. I was telling a friend last night. I'm like, I can't get a dog. I like can't even keep a plant alive (laughs) (laughs) with my lifestyle. Like I can't even commit to a plant.
0: Well, I don't have a kid per se, but I got a five-month-old fur baby, so, and uh, oh, luckily yeah, nice. uh, little golden retriever her name's Kimber. Oh, nice.
1: She's I know, adorable. My, it's like, that's like my, my next goal is to establish some sort of permanency in my life that allows for a dog, but I don't know how far off that is. <laughs>
0: the only way I could get away with it is because I'm married, and my wife puts up with a lot of shit from totally. fire season, so. <laughs> but now she takes know, care of the dog. I I can't imagine
1: <laughs> Like, oh, somebody that's in fire cannot
0: imagine it. Oh, we're going to do an episode on that. We're going to actually, we're going to gather up some of my buddies here uh, locally, and we're going to sit down the wives and the husbands, and we're going to have a fire wives episode where they basically just complain about (laughs) their husbands. (laughs) It'd be pretty funny. That's a great
1: perspective. That's something that I would totally listen to um, because, yeah, that's important. Like the relationships that we have and that we're like kind of putting, I mean, putting a lot of stress on doing this job that we like totally love and could never imagine not doing but like the people that we love are also kind of in it with they're us they're
0: suffering along with us i mean they don't ever see us i mean i don't know like last uh what was it 2017 i think i saw my parents maybe once this summer. Yeah. oh
1: man i know i know i go home and visit my parents I try to see them like two to three times a year generally my family back home in michigan um So, But flying home to Michigan is expensive, and um, at the end of the fire season, I'm, like, ready to go. I'm, like, buying all these plane tickets, and then, you know, come springtime, I'm, like, sorry, guys. Just, I'll see you in the fall. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Later.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm out of money, and Mm I have... Yeah, I need to I need to go back to fire and save some money up again so I can come see you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's the things that you know, especially that the public doesn't really understand, or maybe even a rookie that's getting into this whole career, they don't fully grasp the concept of like, hey, you pretty much sacrifice your entire personal life for at least six months out of the year. You're just gone. Yeah. So no
1: doubt
0: for all yeah, your I mean, future points out there. You have, you, you have there,
1: these are our weekends, but it's like. I don't know. Uh, my R&R's. It's usually it's mostly just a mix of like drinking and sleeping. And, and you know surfing or like biking or doing something kind of mellowish, but
0: you need yeah, to recover. It's mean, Like important. coming home
1: and like having to like be with your family and like be present and be engaged after an R&R or after 14 days of working your ass off like
0: you don't have the ability to do that though, especially if you're on your R and R days. You have two days off. You just wanna like right. sleep and like not deal with anything. You just right, exactly You don't wanna do shit. So
1: Exactly. Yeah. Just sleep in, eat really good food. Yeah.
0: Go blow off some steam at the bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, that too, exactly and try to, like, get outside a little bit. But it's, like, it's funny because you live in these beautiful places and you're R&Ring in these beautiful places that you're, like, I would love to go. For example, I live, um, I guess I live near, like, Mount Hood, and I've lived in Idaho and, you know, all these beautiful places that are full of beautiful hiking trails and mountains to hike and things that I would love to do. But it's, like, you get on your R&R and you're, like, all I want to do is lay in bed.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much all I want to do. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> yeah. So as a woman in fire, you probably have some extra challenges. It's a very male dominated industry. There's no denying that. What kind of challenges have you encountered or some suggestions to future women in fire? What could, what, what advice can you give them?
1: Um, a big thing that I've been, I've been reframing my mindset a little bit into not not identifying as a female firefighter or as a female hotshot. Like, um, I think switching your mindset, obviously like, like showing your femininity and like not necessarily being one of the guys is important, but it's also important to, you know, pull your weight and know that you're part of a crew and that, um, how you perform is important. And it's not, not, and being a woman isn't, isn't a good excuse to not perform, at the expectations that they have set for the crew, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just maintaining, maintaining your identity as like a woman, but also making sure that you are, um, you're not, um, undermining your ability for that reason. And you're not, you're, cause I would think, you know, I used to think I'm not as fast as the guys and that's okay because I'm a girl. And so, I've been trying to like reframe that and I've been trying to train harder, um, to make that less. So, and, um, and that's been a big, uh, I guess a big emphasis in my mind lately in my mindset, especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just say, oh, this is a hard, this is, it's a hard one. It's a tough question. There's, there's a lot. Um, You're going to deal with, you're going to deal with people that are,
0: Um, and I, I thankfully haven't really dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, you can swear on this show. You could just say if they're assholes, if they're assholes, you can say asshole,
1: (laughs) but yeah, you know, I haven't really dealt with a lot of assholes and I've been really, really grateful for that, but a lot of women have. So what I would say is if you get on a crew with a bunch of assholes, like don't let that change your perception of fire, because I know a lot of women that have gotten into fire and quit immediately because they were treated really badly or they were, um, or they were just, um they didn't fit in or anything. And I think what I would say to them is give it another year, give it another different, go on a different crew, um, try it a different area and maybe it'll change. Like maybe, um, maybe you'll have a positive experience, uh, somewhere else. So, um, that's my biggest thing. Cause I have heard of a lot of, a lot of women who have gotten into it one year and then they were like, this isn't, I don't know if this is really for me. And I think that's a big, a big part of that is just the the culture of where they were or, People being, uh, people not, you know, welcoming them where they are. So um, that's my, that's, I think that's my biggest advice for women.
0: And I've seen it too. And I've had a lot of women friends in Fire. um, And I've seen just the complete spectrum of how they're treated or what their experiences were. And that's what I always suggest to them too is like, hey, if this isn't working for you, this particular district or forest or whatever isn't Mm -hmm. working for you then GTFO man, go find another place, man.
1: Yeah. Because there is always another place. There's tons of districts and there are a ton of places and crews that are positive, that will give you a positive experience and that are full of like really wonderful people who want to see women thrive in this environment because it is, it's, you know, we offer not necessarily all of us and not necessarily saying that guys don't offer these things, but there are, there are valuable things we bring to the table. Um, and, you know, I wish I could list a few of them right now, but I would just say, like, um, just having a different perspective, having a different breadth of experience, having um, a different, uh, just simply maybe seeing things that other people aren't seeing or thinking about things in a different way. Um, those are all valuable, valuable things that we can bring to the table. And um, and I'm sure people, and people have seen that. People people are starting to recognize that there are things that we bring that um, maybe traditionally guys wouldn't. I know that sounds really feminist or whatever, but,
0: not but it's true, and
1: I've heard that from many people. So,
0: well, it's, I think it's important that we have like a mix of cultures and mix of um, mix of diversity in a workforce. And uh, it is. you know, I can't speak to <laughs> a woman's perspective in fire at all because I'm not a woman, obviously. So, right. <laughs> but it's important that you know we respect them the way you respect anybody else in the fire community and those crews that that culture
1: of respect is something we need to i think that the forest service in general is doing or you know whoever whatever agency in general is doing they're doing a better job of of um emphasizing that and of sort of breeding this new culture of like being respectful to each other and like having that respect permeate every part of your job um No matter who you're dealing with or who you're working with or, you know, what assignment you're doing. Just making sure that 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 respect um, is across the board and that it's, you know, generally just a welcoming environment to work in.
0: There is a caveat to that, though. I I am a firm believer that it takes a certain type of individual to do this job, especially yours, as a hotshot. And not everybody's cut out to that. I mean... It's hard to explain, I guess, but it takes a certain type of individual. You got to be tough as nails, hands down. And I guess if you don't have the mental uh, fitness, the emotional fitness to actually do this job, you might want to bump down to like an engine or something else.
1: Totally, it's hard, and that's why I would always recommend getting on a type two crew or an engine and kind of feeling things out. And
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, if you get if you get to the end of the summer and you are like craving more fire and you're like i know i can do this for a full summer and i know that i can handle it um you know then kind of make that next step uh definitely don't come and do it willy-nilly because
0: no take it serious you'll
1: be in for a rude awakening for sure like
0: especially hot shots i
1: have mad respect for people that come in green to a hot shot crew and thrived because i i had two years of experience when i came in and and you know still was just
0: getting your ass kicked (laughs)
1: screwing up left and right and making mistakes and um you know all of that so I think it comes with the comes with the terrain and you just kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into when you when you do it and like mentally prepare for it and um yeah I would say I would say if you if you do your two if you do your one or two seasons somewhere else and you're like just craving more than than a hotshot crew is a good path
0: for sure oh yeah but you got to be a statistic statistic jesus christ i cannot talk (laughs) it's sadistic mfr to be a hotshot i mean you got to be you got to be tough
1: totally totally i mean yeah it's not for everyone and i definitely spent a lot of last summer thinking it wasn't for me and then i got to the end of the summer and um, Not even the end of the summer. I got to like August, and I was like, actually, yeah, this is this is rad. I'm I'm
0: down. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it's like I don't know. Maybe in, seeing your first burn, experiencing your first burn assignment, like that oh, first yeah. time you're putting fire on the ground, and you're like looking back at the hill, and you're like, holy shit, what am I doing? Totally. And you get that weird sense think... of satisfaction. And it's awesome.
1: Totally. Satisfying. Um, and I think one thing, the one thing that I really love about hot shining is when we get to show up to an assignment or we get to we show up to an incident. That's kind of, it's still a low level incident or not low level, but it's like, you know, three or something. It's not super managed yet. And they like are still kind of getting a rain on it. And they like, don't really know what they're, they're still kind of figuring out how to, how to ring it. And you're like, you show up and it's basically just all yours. Like you can do whatever you want pretty much. <laughs> um, so you, are able to do all of these assignments, and um, and you know, there were fires last year that we like didn't wrap ourselves, but like we're one of like three hotshot crews working it, and we like were able to do whatever we needed to do to get the job done. And it wasn't like you know, you go on a type one incident, and sometimes there's just a lot of moving parts, and you're kind of waiting on assignments. I hate table and um, fires,
0: they're always a shit show. Yeah, always,
1: you know. So, yeah, you start to one of those Type 3 incidents that, you know, everyone's still kind of trying to, like, get in front of this thing, and they're kind of like, what do we do next? And you show up, and it's like, all right, we got it. We're going to go and, like, dig lines straight up the gut of this mountain and then burn it off and secure this edge of the fire. And then two other hot track crews are going to be doing the same thing on the other edges, and we're going to have this thing wrapped in a few days, and it's going to be rad. I don't know. Those are like, those are really fun assignments
0: for me. Oh, hell yeah. I love type three assignments. I think those was probably my favorite type is no know, just going into an emerging, emerging incident and then just totally. getting to town because it's utter fucking chaos. When you show up to yeah. a type three incident always, I mean, it's I love some, that. yeah, it's, it's great, but that's kind of the culture that we have. We, we end up thriving in chaos.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny, I, I find a lot of peace and chaos, oddly. I feel like I was like I'm kind of like a mess in the winter because I don't have any structure and I'm just kind of like off doing whatever it is that I feel like doing. Um so coming back into the summer is always kind of like it's like a weird piece comes over me, like, okay, I'm back in the structure, but I'm also back in this place that is like constantly changing. You have to be incredibly flexible, you're always kind of on the move and you never know what is gonna happen in the next hour or the next day or the next week um yeah I really I really do enjoy that sort of environment
0: I think the winners are kind of getting hard uh they get harder for me the more and more I go along in my career because it seems like I lose personally this is a personal thing but Mm -hmm. I lose a sense of purpose like oh what am I gonna do today I'm I'm laid off huh I guess I'm gonna just play video games all day and like I, I just like purposeless I don't know yeah. what I'm doing so
1: it's it's an awful feeling and it I is it's truly it this terrible this winter for the first time because the last two winters um I had been working and had like even just like I was working as like a barista at a ski area one year and then like two years ago or last last winter two winters ago I guess um I was working on a magazine um and this was the first winter where I was like yeah I'll, I'm gonna give like freelance writing a shot and just like be like just do my own thing and write whenever I want. And it turned into just me skiing all the time and like not actually writing at all and not doing anything that actually was purposeful. So I might have to make a change next winter. But it's like you get done with a season of hot shotting and you're like, it's like extended R and R. You're like, I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to hang out. I don't want to work. And then you end up in February and you're, like, sad because you have no, <laughs> you're like, I, what is my purpose in life? <laughs>
0: it's, it's like that episode of Rick and Morty where he's like, what is my purpose? And he builds, like, the little robot. He's like, your, your purpose is to pass butter. And the guy's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. I'm just like, come February, I'm always, I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? You then get I, fucking you know, boring, man. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. This is cool
0: yeah i mean it's hard i mean it, it sucks though because like there's no fallback i think it's really important that you like keep in contact with your crew keep in ta- contact uh-huh. with your mentors go hang out with people or else uh-huh. that like sense of purpose is gonna get into this like weird sense of or with this weird like seasonal depression and yeah. it's th- it's Which critical for mental health, health. it's I critical
1: i feel like i understand that um a lot more now i like i was definitely seasonally depressed in February and March this year. I was just like, like just sad, (laughs) but, um, but I can understand it. Like, you know, I mean, to like breach a topic that is maybe a little touchy, but I know like firefighter suicides are up and very much so I can, Kind I can like get it, you know, you're like on for six months and you're doing so much for six months. And then when you have your six months off and you're not actively working on anything and you're not with the people that you just spent so much freaking time with over the summer. You literally trust really your lives to difficult. these people.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, you literally trusted your lives to these people that you're working besides for six months out of the year. And then it's just like, up, yeah. oh, go home. Yeah, that's year. a deep,
1: I mean, that's a deep relationship. I don't care whether you like your crew members or not. That's like a, that's like a deep sense of belonging that you're losing oh, yeah. every, every fall.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well shit, I don't, let's turn this conversation around. That kind of got dark. <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah, well it's <laughs> I mean, the unfortunate it's truth. to talk about things like that. Like,
1: especially on a fire podcast. Like it's something I've been thinking about writing about because whatever, I mean, um, I, knew, I know a lot of people probably experience it, and so it's important to kind of, like, make it relatable, like, I, like, we do experience this, this oh, yeah. is something that happens, and this is why.
0: Well, it's a huge elephant in the room, so to speak, I mean, there's, it is. no one wants to talk about it either, because we're all this A-type, like, uh, look at me, I'm so tough, kind of personality, and no one wants to approach the subject, it is the elephant in the room, totally and, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't and it's,
1: be that's why I do find it important to talk about and that's why I definitely just breached that topic because I think it is important <laughs>
0: oh absolutely so moving on mm-hmm. so we got into the fitness thing just briefly let's get into the fitness thing what do you yeah. have for fitness what is what do you do to become a hot shot?
1: um I I personally just, like, kick my own ass for, like, two months, three months before the season starts. Um, like, I just go out and try to do as many hard things as I can a week. So, for me, this winter looked a lot – for that, that, that looked a lot like just ski touring as much as possible. I think ski touring really helped me this year in terms of building my endurance and kind of substituting – it was, like, my hiking alternative. Because I like to hike, but hiking alone in the off-season with, like – a pack filled with, you know, bags of sugar and books <laughs> Rocks and shit. That's all I had for weight. Um, is like, fun, but not, like, the most exciting thing ever. So, ski touring really, like, took the um, – was my number one workout this winter. Um, and then just mountain biking and running, you know, two to three times a week, usually kind of working into four by the end of the off-season. Hiking once the snow melted a little bit. Hiking – once or twice a week usually. Uh with weight usually the steepest thing I can find. My um home hike is like Oyster Dome in Bellingham. I would do that pretty often and just do it's like six miles and you gain like twelve two thousand two thousand or maybe twenty five hundred feet of elevation.
0: That's a pretty, pretty good spot. Yeah. That's a good um, clip
1: but I would just recommend the best shape I ever got in for fire season was last year. And it was because I went to Argentina for a month before the season started.
0: Yeah, I saw your pictures was, on Instagram. That was, that was pretty badass. That's like was, a one of so a kind fun. thing. It was like
1: the best training because we just had backpacks that weighed 45, 50 pounds. And we were hiking, we were walking everywhere. And, um, and just, we did these little like treks to the mountains. Like we did one little backpacking trip in the mountains that was like 10 miles straight the hell up a hill. And then we did kind of a couple little ridgeline um, like up and down ridges for a few days and then back down into town. And that like four, four day backpacking trip was like the best, um, the best training I could have done for fire season. And especially walking around in Argentina with a backpack on always like walking minimums three miles, four miles a day, like just, just going around town, um, with a pack on was super, super helpful. So, um, so just for people that are just getting into it like I tell them like, just put a pack on and walk around or straight up just go for walks pretty often and just like get those muscles um, engaged and then start working up with weight and with in- elevation and with longer hikes because eventually it'll just be a hiking machine if you just work up to it you know um, but I don't know we were talking about the pack test earlier and how that's like
0: how it's, you know, really it's bullshit the
1: most what's the word I'm looking for you had mentioned it earlier and you said it you said it perfectly
0: well i I pretty much think that the pack test is uh it's not an adequate indicator of fitness for what we do in the field it's it's not at all mm-hmm. and I don't know right. what we can implement instead of the pack test, but it's not judging anywhere anything it, it doesn't determine anything as far right. as fitness goes it says you can walk in all you know, you can walk for three miles with 45 pounds on your back.
1: Yeah. Congratulations. In a straight line on flat
0: ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Good job. You're Yay. a firefighter now. Here. Well,
1: you know, it is, it's, um, I guess it's what we've got. And it's kind of one of those things, like if I just hope that anybody getting into fire knows that that's like the absolute minimum requirement and it's that the your job is going to require do. a lot more out of you than, um, than what the pack test would,
0: uh, it, yeah. Like I said, it's the easiest thing that if that's, if the pack test is hard for you, you should probably reconsider what you're doing. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. I know that's kind of like kind of an asshole thing to say, but if the pack test is genuinely (laughs) difficult for you, Mm -hmm. yeah, you need to work on that fitness.
1: Totally. And it's really, it is really just a matter of getting those, like, just getting your walking muscles going and also pacing. Pacing is like probably the most important part of it like go get on a treadmill and realize or and like bump it up to the four mile an hour thing and just walk like that for a few or for a mile and just get that pace down because i think that's the biggest thing for a lot of people is that they don't understand that it's it's four miles an hour which is like kind of an uncomfortable pace for me walking especially with a bunch Um, of shit on your back i'm like kind of almost i'm not running but i'm like i'm walking at a running pace <laughs> like, yeah we're talking uh, about it's it's the duck walk right <laughs> kind of doing a, fa- a fast walk uh but yeah i
0: it's uh, not a run but if fast, somebody fast, asks you
1: it's not a casual walk
0: <laughs> yeah when somebody asks you are you running no <laughs>
1: no i'm not running i'm, not running. No, I'm you're, just you're running <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh but, shit uh, yeah that is it is funny
0: i don't know god man that's great yeah so what does it mean to you to be a hotshot? What is what does a hotshot mean to you? What does it mean to be one?
1: To me, I would say um I would say the biggest thing is just like learning how to be uncomfortable, uh, and not ditching about it and not you know, kind of just pushing past all of the discomforts that we deal with on a daily basis, realizing that eventually and like, really appreciate that you were able to accomplish things that uh, maybe at the time you were like, "This blows," or "Can I even finish this hike?" Or I really just want to stop right now. But then you just you just keep moving, you keep getting up the hill, and every single time you, every single time you think that you want to walk or that you want or that you want to stop, and then you just keep walking. It's like you're building this mental fortitude that you maybe never thought you had. So um I think that's the biggest thing for me is just the mental the mentality of it. It's all mental. Like (sighs) that's said so many damn times on my crew. Um especially on hikes, especially in running, especially when we're doing our workouts where it's you know, it's oft repeated that it is all mental and you can work through it and if you just keep putting one foot for the other, eventually it'll be over and you'll look back on it and be stoked that you finished um so that can be that's a good analogy for the whole season is that just one foot in front of the other like whether you're hiking up a shitty dozer line or you are um in the midst of august and you think you are beyond exhausted and you don't think you can keep working it's like one foot in front of the other and eventually the assignment will be over eventually the day will be over eventually the summer will be over and you'll look back and be stoked that you gave it everything that you had and um you know just that you finished it oh, yeah. and also the memories that you made along the way from doing so and the people that you meet along the way and the relationships that you form by just like suffering with each other
0: i like it so there you go words of advice <laughs> you know what one foot actually in
1: front of the other that's like my motto when I'm on a hike that's like I'm just like
0: repeating that in my head oh yeah
1: the
0: entire time you, you don't have I'm a choice
1: like one foot in the other. that's all you
0: need to do that's a funny thing is like you don't really have a choice but to put one foot in the other and actually one of my friends uh, she was well, <laughs> she went and taught over at academy and she was uh, there when I was teaching over there at the uh, jack academy and and uh I'll never forget this quote because it was like she was talking in front of the class, and he's like, "Yeah, you know this job sucks, but it's like a good kind of suck." Yeah. Especially in the in the end of the day, all you need to realize that you can eat it. That <laughs> what she say it was at the end of the day, you need to realize that you can only eat a turd sandwich one bite at a time. It <laughs> <laughs> was her words of advice for this class. It was friggin' funny, man.
1: Oh, my gosh. On our crew hike today, one of the guys was like, you know what I found out about life? It's not fun if it's not hard. And that was like, I was like, yeah, that's like totally true. It's not fun if it's not super shitty sometimes.
0: Well, just got to embrace the suck, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's about, yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah.
1: That pretty much sums it up.
0: So tell me about the smoky generation and what you're doing for them. I'm sure these guys out there who are listening to this, if they have any social media, they've probably seen the smoky generation and it's a digital storytelling for people mm-hmm. in fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, the smoky generation and, uh, Bethany Hannah, who isn't, who runs the smoky generation, um, they're doing a grant program. This is their first year. Um, and I received a videography grant through them, which is funny because I don't actually, I mean, I've done a little bit of filming in the past, but I'm, I would not call myself a, a filmer or a videographer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am pretty amped about kind of delving into that world. Um, and also kind of, uh, braiding my writing and my photography in with that. So hoping to create a sort of multimedia project about hot in November when I'm done with the season.
0: Hell yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. But
1: I'm, I'm so excited. I, I'm, like, bursting at the seams with ideas. I just can't wait to get out and, like, start actually filming. Um, although I don't know how much filming. I mean, last summer, obviously, being on a shot crew, you don't really get a lot of opportunities for that. So I might have to use um, some footage I've filmed in the last few years and maybe just take a few photos and stuff this year. But um, we'll see how it goes. But the uh, the program in general, like the Smoky Generation is a super cool organization just trying to sort of share stories from the fire line and also share stories from the history of fire and, um, you know, talking to old hotshot soups and old female smoke jumpers and, you know, like these people that have kind of paved the way and, um, been doing really cool work their entire lives. And, um, and also sharing the stories of modern firefighters and kind of what we're going through and what we experience. So I think it's a cool project. I'm really amped to be involved. And there's like a ton of other people that are, that received grants this year for writing and photography and also videography. And, um, I can't wait to see what ends up coming out of it.
0: That's awesome. And I understand that mystery ranch, they, uh, help support this whole, uh, grant Right. Correct. Yeah.
1: They did. Yeah. Yeah. They They had their big player. Um, and then one other company in Canada that I can't recall right now, I believe it's a pump company. It's like water or something. Water X. Um, water X. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they supported it as well. And I am, I'm really grateful. Yeah. I used the grant to get some, some, uh, video equipment. I got a GoPro, um, that I'm super stoked to use this summer. I think it'll be a little easier than having my cell phone on me Um,
0: because
1: that was always kind of like an awkward, like finding it and taking it out. And, you know, it's never, never convenient and you never really, you never really have the time to do it anyway. And so, you know, um, like I said, though, we'll see if I even have time to do that this summer. Uh, I'm excited to be able to braid some of the past videos and photos that I've taken as well into this project. So, um, so Yeah. Pretty
0: stoked. That's fucking awesome, man. So you have no like basis. You just kind of go and, and you're just gonna go into this whole project and film what you think is gonna be an awesome story, or do you kind of have a basis I, so far?
1: I do have a basis. Um, Hell yeah. I'll share it generally. It's. Oh, I don't want to give away too many secrets. Called, or I'm actually kind of working on an essay called "This Is Us," mm-hmm. um, and and that's on your blog just, too, right? I haven't, I haven't published it on my blog and it's still in the works. Um, I only have maybe three or 400 words written right now, Mm -hmm. but just kind of discuss or like kind of, uh, highlighting who we are and what we do, what we look like, what we believe in, what we, um, all of the things. (laughs) So this is us is generally the, the name of the working title right now of the piece and kind of what I'm working off of in terms of shots that I want to get and whatnot,
0: Fucking awesome. No, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is this going to be distributed to um, just the smoky generation or is it going to be published or what can we see? Yeah.
1: yeah I'm hoping um, if all turns out as I expect it to, or as I want it to, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be distributed by the smoky generation, but also I'm hoping to maybe get it into a few film festivals, like tiny film festivals, I'm not talking dance. not talking Telluride. just like, little regional film festivals. There's one in my home state called Fresh Coast Film. um, And I did a film for them two years ago. That was my very first film project, which is the reason that I got this grant. Actually, it was the the film project I did for this film festival two falls ago. So um, kind of bringing it full circle and hoping to do another piece for them and and have it submitted into the festival. And then maybe... Getting in somewhere else, um, I've yet to do any research in that regard, but that's my hope: is to show it in like some tiny regional film festivals um, across the West in my home state of Michigan.
0: Well, shit come up here, you know, in Tahoe they have a big one. Well, I'm sure they would love to have you.
1: I would love that. I'm going to do some research. Uh, you know, driving to and from fires this summer. Maybe when we go to Arizona, inevitably in the next two or three weeks. I'm oh yeah, spend it's coming. Twenty five hours in the buggy researching where where i might submit my film
0: see there you go you can time travel for a little bit wake up in a new state do some research then time travel some little bit more and then you know wake up and you're there at the incident camp the
1: good old buggy time travel oh yeah. yeah just like fall asleep for six hours and end up in california
0: oh yeah yeah Shit, you're coming back home from an assignment and you're like, oh, I'm going to crash out. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's like, how the fuck did I sleep through two and a half states? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> oh, we're back in Oregon? Sick.
0: <laughs> Dope. This is yeah. This is kind of nice. <laughs> you got to sleep through the travel. I
1: have my CDL and I, like to, I just have respect for buggy drivers. Oh Thank man. you to all the buggy drivers out there <laughs> so that. <laughs> the rest of us can just sit in the back of the box and do whatever the
0: hell we want. Exactly. You sit there and plug your headphones in and they're just like sitting yeah. there just so pounding Mountain, Mountain Dew or Red Bull or whatever. <laughs> Poor bastards.
1: Crap, yeah. Like killing the miles. I don't know. I don't know
0: how they do it. <laughs> just oh, just determination. That's all it is.
1: Pure determination. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but I love the, I love how low qualified I am that I can just sit in the back of the buggy and fall asleep listen to
0: music watch some movies oh man i wish i could go back to those days where i just had like zero responsibility oh man yeah yeah so for all you people that are listening out there that are i don't know second third year fire firefighters go back don't ever don't ever take on that responsibility i mean it's cool and everything like that but pretty soon you'll want to be like i want to sit in the back <laughs> i just want yeah. no responsibility
1: just put Box. I just
0: want to be in the box. <laughs> I just want to get in the box. I want to get out of the box. <laughs> That's all I want to do. Oh, one
1: second. We've got a visitor.
0: Uh, no worries. And
1: it's a little. Okay. Cool. We're good. Alrighty.
0: Sorry about that. You
1: can um, edit that out, right? <laughs> I think
0: so. Maybe. I might not. I don't know. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good radio. Well, cool. I mean, what else you got to add? I mean, you got anything looking forward to this season? Any uh, badass quals you're working on? What do you got?
1: Um, no badass quals. I'm. I am, I guess I'm kind of trying to get my FFT one. Um, but I'm only in my second season on the crew, so it's kind of one of those things where I'll get an assignment or two, maybe, mm-hmm. and then probably not get signed off this year. But, um, but also maybe hoping again, probably not likely because I'm on a shot crew. But some, um uh some I C fives would be cool. That'd be some cool. A good lightning I don't bus. know if we can go find some lightning strikes or some whatever to get me some I C five quals, But um but yeah, and then I don't know, I I'm just i I'm stoked to you know, maybe go to Alaska. Alaska is pretty dry right now. So oh, yeah. I've never been there. Everyone that's been there is like, you don't want to go to Alaska. And I'm like, I don't well, really kind of want to go to see what it's like and to like experience the misery for myself and just say that I did it. Um, so I don't know. We'll see.
0: See, I've never been to Alaska, but everybody, I don't know how the hell I haven't been to Alaska in 11 years, but everybody who tells me that they've gone to Alaska, is like, yeah, let's go to Alaska. Let's go to Alaska. I want to go fight fire in Alaska. And then they go there and they're like, Fuck this. I'm never coming back. Fuck Alaska. <laughs> Fuck
1: Alaska. I know. I've heard some horror stories about the trench foot and the mosquitoes. Probably. Yeah.
0: The, uh, you know what us, the state bird of Alaska is?
1: want to experience it myself.
0: You know what the state bird of Alaska is, right?
1: Mosquitoes? Yep.
0: <laughs> Nailed Classic. <it>. Classic. <laughs> well,
1: oh, I think that's the state bird of Michigan, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Actually. I wouldn't doubt so that. So, I feel
1: like I'm well prepared for the, the mosquitoes after living in the northern part of Michigan for my whole first 23 years. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what it's like up there, but I feel like I've experienced a lot of mosquitoes in my life.
0: <laughs> what, was, what was that saying that we had earlier today? You can only eat a turd sandwich one bite at a time.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Mosquitoes, man. And I just oh. really want to eat the
1: Alaska turd sandwich, to be honest. <laughs> just once. <laughs> well,
0: maybe you'll get your wish. It's they're, they're heating up up there, so that and uh, Region 3, of course. Region 3 should be popping off here any day
1: oh
0: yeah
1: yeah Yeah, i kind of hope so we're just kind of doing station days right now are you guys through your critical already all sorts of things to do projects here and there and we're like okay we're running out of things we need to go on a fire
0: (laughs) you guys are getting barn sour
1: yeah we're like washing the buggies we're like wait a minute we don't ever wash the (laughs) buggies we need to go somewhere
0: oh no well (laughs) hopefully i'm sure your wish will come true here shortly
1: yeah. I mean it is yeah,
0: beginning I'm of sure. May. I mean, I
1: hate to wish for that for that, but that's kind of like the paradox of our lives is that we wish for destructive things to happen so that we can go and get HP, pay, but at the same time well, we don't want destructive things to happen.
0: And I, you know what? I mean that's I think the you know we we don't pray for a destructive fire season. Let's no, not let's at get all. this let's get this clear. However, if we do wish for anything is 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 that we go and help people or help exactly. forests or help communities and actually help put things out. So that's no where doubt. we say, yeah, that we're praying for a fire. It's it's out of nobility, I guess you could say. We don't <laughs> crave destruction.
1: No, exactly.
0: Yeah. We don't want a busy fire season. We want to be home with our families. But exactly, if the need arises... We'll another like, one of those
1: things. It's like you go into the season and you are the first month you're, you're like, I'm digging being at home. And then, um, and then things start firing up and you get excited because that's what you're trained to do. Um, you're trained to go and do these, these things and help people and, um, that fire. And so you get excited about being able to use the training that you've, that you've acquired. But yeah, I mean, I absolutely, by no means hope for busy fire seasons (laughs) by no means.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Cool. Well, I think that's going to be the tie-in point for our show. Mm-hmm. We're about an hour so far. Let's see. We're about fifty-one Ooh. minutes or so. Something like that. Yeah. So. The
1: tie-in point. I like it. Yeah. This is tie the
0: tie Welcome to <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, if do you have any any mentors out there that you want to give a shout out to? Pour one out to anybody out there. Who do you got?
1: Yeah. Um, well the two ladies that got me into fire, Liz Ernst and Addie Beckman, my girls from Northern. Um, I was I'm really stoked that they were doing it before me and they kind of led me on this path because I would have never known that this was a possibility if it weren't for them. And my girl Caitlin up in uh Bellingham, she convinced me um, to apply for the crew that I'm on and um was pretty uh, critical in, in convincing me that I should try to be a shot. <laughs> and now that I'm here, I am in love with it and I'm really glad that... I, it, it took a little convincing, but I'm really glad I ended up doing it.
0: That's awesome. And now <laughs> as far as your Instagram, your socials, where can we find you at?
1: Yeah, my Instagram is a underscore, under dash thing, uh, Monti. And my... Uh, website is just amandamontai.com
0: cool well there you go you guys can find her up and coming works that are uh, coming down the pipeline hopefully at the end of the season you said November right?
1: yeah yeah but in the meantime I'll be writing a lot about fire season and posting photos
0: and all that kind of stuff so yeah, definitely uh, to all our listeners out there definitely go swing by her, uh, her blog and her website and check her out and check her out on her socials and uh, Amanda it's been good talking to you I hope you have dude, a safe, thank you. safe season and uh, <laughs> go out there and crush it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Have a safe season yourself. And thanks for having me
0: on. I'll see you on the line, dude. All
1: right. Sounds good.
0: <laughs> thanks for listening. All right, guys, there you go. Episode number two in the books with Amanda Monti. Be sure to swing by her social media and her blog, her website and uh, check her out she's got some pretty uh, interesting stuff going on over there Amanda thank you very much and for the rest of you guys make sure you uh, swing by our social media give us a follow and uh, tell your friends make sure you tell your friends uh, you can find us on Spotify right now make sure you uh, click that subscribe button too Uh, as far as iTunes we're still in a little bit of a digital fist fight with the whole directory service there maybe they'll figure it out I don't know. I'll just blame them. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you on the next one.